Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hello, my glorious Busy Mumsies. Ash here. Oh, as you know, I hope you're fab. I always hope you're fab. Well, we are diving into quite the chat today, as the topic will not only be about navigating the wild world of parenting, but we are adding another layer divorce. Today, I welcome Michelle Dempsey-Moltek onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. She is a writer, mom, coach, and certified divorce specialist. She graduated from Hofstra University with a degree in journalism and communication, and then earned a double master's degree in education from Adelphia University. She hosts the weekly podcast, Moms Moving On, and she is the author of award-winning book, mom's moving on. And if she isn't busy enough, because obviously she is, Michelle writes regularly for Parents, Scary Mommy, and many other publications. I'm so excited to meet her, and I'm always excited when I get to meet new friends and people say yes to the podcast. Oh, I just love the support. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Michelle Dempsey-Multech, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm just thrilled that our schedules finally aligned. And it was I know, my, I know. And it's my no. fault. It's my fault. The last time it was my fault. I put my hands up, but we have made it work. Um, so Michelle, for the listeners, is coming in um, for this lovely chat in Florida, in good old Miami. And I have the same weather as you, Michelle, as I'm in Uganda. <laughs> Hot, steamy, sweaty, need to touch up my makeup by 9 a.m., that whole type of thing. Just absolutely melting. I I get to the point where I'm like, you know what? Why do I even wash my hair anymore? It's not even worth it because here we are. It's hot and I am sweating. Keeping deodorant companies in business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michelle, you are extremely busy and you wear so many hats that I really just want to dive on into as you as a writer, a mom, a coach. And the one thing that we never chat about on the Busy Mumsy podcast, which is another reason why I'm so stoked that you're on here today, is you are a certified divorce specialist. Yes. And you are advocating for women, for moms, for dads, for parents to navigate not only the wild world of parenting, but through, I'm going to say it, that scarlet letter D, through divorce. What, what is it that inspired you, motivated you to go in this direction to help others? Because I'm sorry, I know you are a parent and you are busy, 
how were you to go, you know what, I'm going to take this on because this is a lot. This is a lot of stuff to navigate for other people. It is. And, but for me, it felt so natural having been divorced myself when my daughter was two, also being a product of divorce. Um, you know, when you're a product of an unhealthy divorce and then you yourself get divorced, for a lot of people, it awakens something and this desire to do things right and do things a lot more differently than our parents did. And so that was my intent. But at the same time, I felt like there was no support for somebody like me. I was only 33 years old. My daughter was so young. You know, it wasn't a gray divorce, which is, you know, considered when divorce over 50 and it wasn't, you know, an empty nester divorce. It was something that felt so unfamiliar when all of my friends around me were still having babies and still having date nights and loving their husbands. And here I was. And so um, I set off on this path to create the type of support that I didn't have, which transpired in me becoming first a certified divorce specialist and then a co-parenting specialist because I love helping people through divorce, but I feel that my passion really lies in helping people help their children through divorce. I'm a former educator, so it all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, and with that came my podcast, which was launched in 2020. We're now in the top 1%. And um, it's just, it's been transformative, both for myself and our listeners, all the amazing um, professionals we have come on. We have the book, we have my courses and workshops. It's it's just kind of grown a life of its own. And, and I really, really, really love the work that I do. And now I'm also training divorce and co-parenting coaches um, through the program that I designed, which is largely based on how to keep children out of the middle of the divorce process. Through divorce as a child, how did you personally like kind of get through your own kind of, you know, your ups, your downs, perhaps scars that were left on you, you know, that, you know, imprints within you how did you release that? I mean, that that in itself is can be years of of hard work and effort. Was there something that just you're able to just flip that switch so that you can help others? So I think where I became so passionate about helping people was seeing how all of the horrendous stuff I went through in my childhood. I'll say that my parents' divorce was. Un more unusual than most. It was I was eight when they separated and 18 when they were finalizing. It was a knockdown, drag out battle the entire time where my brother and I were both put in the middle in two very different ways. Um, I became estranged from my father when I was 11. And then my brother, he got custody of my brother. So we grew up in two very different experiences. And, and it was awful. But all that to say, my first marriage brought out all my demons. And it was really unfortunate for my first husband because here I was going through life thinking like, oh, I don't have any issues. Well, they, I did. And my first marriage brought it all out. And, you know, to this day, I, my ex and I will talk about it. And he's, you know, and I take full responsibility for the fact that I was in no way, shape or form emotionally ready to be married because I had so much work to do. And I set out on this path to heal all of that and realized that what was really missing for me in my childhood, because many parents get divorced, was the emotional support and the validation and, you know, the 
the therapy I probably needed. And there were so many decisions that were made without putting the needs of the children at the center of the process instead of in the middle. And that's really what fucked me up for lack of a better term. So that's why I am so passionate about helping parents make decisions that are not based on their emotions. Like, let's take your emotions here about this divorce. We're going to put them in this container and leave them there because you're entitled to those, but your children didn't ask for this. So your emotions don't need to affect your children. How can we separate the two? And that's that's what was missing for me and what I think was missing for so many people of my generation whose parents were divorced because they didn't know what they didn't know. There was no child therapist then. There was no like validating your kids' emotions. There was none of that. So our parents did the best we could, but we're all pretty messed up from it anyway. But then how was it though for you when the, when you fell pregnant? Because you, you come from a, a very different upbringing. Yeah, I was terrified. You were terrified. How... I mean, there are so many women that are, I was terrified going into pregnancy. I was terrified for like different reasons. It wasn't like, oh my God, I'm going to have a life to care for. I remember I was in the car with my daughter's father. We were going to lunch and the doctor called with the blood test results to tell us what the gender was. And all I ever wanted was to be a girl mom. But I, at that moment did not want a girl because I was so terrified that she might feel the way I had to feel growing up. And I didn't want to be responsible for that. And of course they called and they were like, well, you're having a girl. And I lost it because I was so scared. Like I remember saying to my ex, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, how do I protect her? How do I, you know? And so when I did end up getting divorced, it was like, all right, I got to do things way differently because I never want her to feel the way I did. And she's like, the best ever. Um, her dad and I are both, you know, obsessed with her and very involved in her life and involved together in her life. So she's got it way better than I ever had. Um, but you know, it, it all leads to why I do what I do. Obviously we can go to your platform. This will all be listed also within the show notes to be a good co-parent. How do you get there? How do you navigate this world? How was it just to sit down for you and your ex to just no. collaborate X point? I, I knew that, but I didn't know that. We just met. But one, <laughs> in, in the time we have on this podcast, Michelle, can you give a little snippet of how to be a good co-parent? Yes. So I think being a good co-parent first comes with the acceptance of you and your child's parent are not co-parenting in the beginning and you can't try and force it. We're all parallel parenting at best and there is nothing wrong with that. Parallel parenting is the opposite of co-parenting. Co means collaborative, together, which when you're in the beginning stages of a divorce, you're learning to live without each other. So having to parent together seems really counterproductive. So give yourself grace. That's number one. In the beginning, you're probably going to be parallel parenting. You do your thing. They do theirs. And the other part of that is giving up control. Co-parenting did not get easier for me when I learned until I learned to just be like, okay, you know what? I can't control every little micro detail that goes on for my daughter and her dad or what goes on at her dad's house or whether or not she brushed her teeth or I can't. And I was living in this space of like freaking out over every little thing. It was it was like I was imprisoned to this experience, which I didn't need to be. And so as soon as I learned to give up that control, and my book talks all about like where to give up the control and where to keep it, because I think it's important to know where to keep it also, um, that was transformative for me. And the other part of that, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, 
your ex, you have to accept that your ex is entitled to their feelings about the split, their perception of events, and whatever their healing process is going to be. For me, because I initiated, I was quote unquote over it more quickly than my co-parent. And so I just was like, what are you mad for? Like, come on, let's just co-parent. And it's, you have to give the other person the space to feel the way they need to feel. They're entitled to all the emotions just like you had, and they may not process it as healthily or as easily as you. And you have to understand that their emotions very often have nothing to do with their ability to parent. And I see people say, oh, he's so angry and he sends me these nasty texts. He can't have the kids. I think two things can be true. This person can be angry and they can take it out in the wrong ways and they can also be a good parent. So it's really taking a step back from the whole emotional piece and seeing the forest for the trees and recognizing that the adult emotions don't really determine whether or not somebody can be a good co-parent. In your opinion, what is too young to be talking to your child about a divorce? I think as soon as your child can grasp and understand that their parents have gone from living in one home to two and they now have to spend time in two homes, the conversations can start as early as two. So for a two-year-old, the conversation is going to look a lot different than it would for an eight-year-old, but age-appropriate language and honesty without um, leaving things open-ended. Because for children, when you don't define the narrative for them, they create their own, and that can be really dangerous too, such as, you know, will you and daddy ever live in the same house again? The last thing we want to say is, no, never, not going to happen. But what we need to say is, no, never, that's not going to happen. Because when a child hears maybe, like, oh, you never know what the future holds, in their mind, maybe we're going to the candy store is we're going to the candy store. So you do need to give them um, the truth in an age-appropriate way. Do you need to use the word divorce at the age of two? Not necessarily, but I would say you want to teach them the word when you know that other kids could be hearing it about your situation, you know, parents talk. You don't want someone else to come to school and say, hey, Joey, your parents got divorced without you first letting them know what the word is and what it means. Yeah. So so recently I had just seen like on Instagram about how some teachers have started to reach out to like their parents to just say, if you're having a hard time at home, just please let us know. It, it won't, it goes nowhere past just our, you know, email just so that we can help. Yes. Do you find that schools are doing that more and more for kids? I mean, I just saw this bouncing so. on Instagram. Yeah. I used to be a teacher and for me, like, for sure, because I'm a child of divorce, when parents would say, you know, hey, we're in a co-parenting situation, Mondays and Tuesdays, she comes from dad's, Wednesday, Thursday, she's with me. And if she ever forgets something, it's not intentional. It's because, you know, it's so hard to keep track of stuff. That information was really helpful so that, you know, I wouldn't be penalizing the co-parented child for forgetting her folder when it was very clearly like left behind, because that's what happens in co-parenting life. Um, I think a lot of parents need to provide this information to the teacher because a lot of kids, especially kids with stress at home, will go to school and seem totally fine sometimes because they want to be 
they're scared to get in trouble, right? Like they don't want to create more problems for their parents because they know their parents are already stressed out. So sometimes, you know, you'll go to the teacher and say, listen, this is what's going on at home. And the teacher might say, oh my God, we had no idea. Little Joey's so well behaved and da da da. So have the conversation. And I think a lot of parents are scared to do that because they think it's going to like stigmatize their kid or them. Oh, single mom, you know, who the fuck cares? Honestly, this is not about your ego. And if they want to think poorly of you or your child because you're divorced, that's on them. Your child needs the support. So if you need to share that so that the guidance counselor, or the school psychologist pokes their head in once a week and just makes sure that everything okay, that is everything okay. That's amazing because those are the resources that you can utilize to keep extra eyes on your child for your own peace of mind, to know that they are okay despite the fact that things are changing at home. And in regards to the stress and the healing and all of that, how how do you navigate for parents that are divorcing to heal separately from the kids? Like, how do they compartmentalize that? Because I just, I know my energy, listen, I. I went through a divorce. I did not have a child at the time. I went through a divorce and it was fire. It was the the world burned within this divorce. It was awful. I couldn't imagine having a child thrown into the mix. I'm in another marriage. I have a child. I can't imagine it. And I can't imagine what the healing, how do you separate the healing and the, the fireworks and all of that, um, not only amongst the two adults, but then from the child and then how does that child heal as well? Like there's just so many layers. It's so hard. It's the hardest thing in the world to be going through the most difficult and stressful time in your life while parenting and knowing that no matter how much you hate this person you're divorcing, you now have to advocate for your child's relationship with them. I don't think there's anything more difficult in parenting. Um, I'm sure there are more difficult things, but for me, that's been the most difficult thing. Um, I think you have to have awareness. Uh, three things, the three S's I'd like to say. Self-care, self-awareness, and self-regulation. Self-care is number one. And I'm not talking about like, get a massage. I'm talking about know yourself. When you are at that time where you feel like you're gonna explode, what do you need to do in that moment to take care of yourself? Okay, I need to call in the, a lifeline to watch my kids so I can go for a run and just get it out. I need to schedule a therapy session. I need to do whatever I need to do to feel good and balance my energy so that it doesn't spill out into the kids. The second part of that is self-awareness. Having the self-awareness to know how your behavior might affect your kids and not just expecting, oh, they'll be fine because they're children. If you have the self-awareness to say, I get really touched out by my kids by 7 p.m. if I've had a stressful divorce day, figure out a plan to deal with it. Know yourself. Know that if you get, you know, you're having a great day with your kids and you check your phone and there's a message from your ex, you know that that's going to send you over the edge. Have the self-awareness to set a boundary for yourself to not check your ex's texts when you're with your kids. The last is self-regulation. Do not explode or react in an emotional way when you are with your children. Because if your ex is testing you in that moment and you are with the children and you cannot self-regulate to not fire back, you're gonna be pulled into a circle of conflict and just like a downward spiral of shit that you don't need and neither do your kids. So that's that's what I would say. And it's, and it's a choice every day. It's waking up and saying, okay, 
I know this is going to be hard for these reasons. I'm going to compartmentalize. I'll deal with my pain in my own way when the kids go to sleep or when I get a free moment. It's not saying I can't be upset and I can't be stressed. It's putting it in its own little container so that your children don't feel it. How old is your daughter now? She's eight. She's eight. From two to eight, you've watched her grow into yes. a beautiful young lady. Yes. Has she ever, I mean, like, can you share, like, has she ever been like, mom, you've done this so well, dad, yes. you've done this so well? Like, like, what has she learned? What has she shared with you through the years of, of this roller coaster? You're going to make me cry. Um, a lot. Sorry. She, over the years, has thanked me for always being kind. She has noticed that I always include her dad in everything. And she has thanked me for that. Um, I've heard her talking about, oh, sorry, I'm getting my period. No. <laughs> I've heard her talking about our divorce with her friends, like when she's in her room and she'll have a friend over whose parents are still married. Recently, her best friend was over and um, she knows that we're divorced because she's, you know, we all spend so much time together. She at soccer games, her best friend sees me and my husband and Bella's dad and his girlfriend at the games. And she's had to understand what this all meant. She was here the other day and she realized that Bella has a picture on her nightstand of, of Bella with me and her dad, like at her birth. And so her friend was like, isn't that weird that like you have a picture of your dad here when like Spencer's your stepdad. And she was like, no, she was like, my dad's my dad and my mom's my mom and they both love me and I love having a picture of him here. And and like she just is so, I think she's so lucky, first of all, that she has us as parents because we really do everything to support her and, and be there for her in a healthy way. But like we've been so honest with her about what the situation is and we've always encouraged the relationship for her to have with each other that, you know, she feels it now. And she knows like, She's now not the only co-parented kid in class. And she knows that there are kids who don't hear from their dads or see their parents or always have, you know, the wrong uniform on or never have the books they need because, you know, me and her dad run like a full-time co-parenting delivery service. We're always bringing things back and forth for her, you know? So she sees and she appreciates the effort, which is just so amazing to me. She's also very aware now of the fact that I don't have a relationship with my dad. Um, my dad chose not to want me when I was not much older than her. And so that sense of knowing helps her appreciate her dad's role in her life so much more. Sometimes in a room full of moms at a school event, her dad's the only dad. And like, you know, I hate to put him on blast, but she had her first play this weekend. And like, he was in the front row crying alongside me, you know, like she knows she has it really good with her parents. And I, there's, I don't think there's, anything more you could ask for. Thank you for making me cry. <laughs> you are most welcome. What do you know about yourself now as a mom, not, you know, business aside, your life and your struggles that you had seeing your parents, what do you know about yourself now? That's like, damn, that, that I, that's like fireworks inside of me. That if you have those three S's, the, well, especially the self-awareness, you can heal and grow through anything. You just have to do the work. Like 
I know for me, I'm doing it so much better, probably not perfectly. I'm sure my daughter will have a whole host of things to complain to her therapist about one day. But I know that the way we're doing it is not impacting her ability to thrive like it did for me. And so having the self-awareness to just be better for her. And, you know, she is um, already a much better version of I, I, that I could ever be, you know, of a human. Um, that, that's been the best part of this for me. That's like my wow moment in motherhood. Mm. And to pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy that, uh, you know, any words of wisdom you'd like to give to them? I think the best thing you can do as a mom is take your experience as a child, draw from the good, learn from the bad, and you're going to be a great mom and trust your intuition. You know, like that intuition is so powerful. My, my sister-in-law had her first baby a couple of days ago, my first nephew, really excited. Um, and I could just see automatically, I've been in the hospital with her a lot since the baby came, that intuition kicking in, you know, she's never parented before, but she knew what the baby needed. And she knew like what to ask for. And it's like, how'd you know that Steffi? And she's like, I just knew I'm like, that's motherhood, you just know. And so trust yourself. That's really important to trust yourself. Oh, I love that. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time and your words of wisdom. And like I said, everything will be in the show notes to click the links to, to get yourself to Michelle and all of her wonderful words and guidance. So um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.